Vegas Nation is sponsored by Station Casino's STN Sports. Download the app today and get a bonus up to $100 when you sign up. You're listening to Vegas Nation. It's time for Takeaways with me, Heidi Fang. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. It's your host here, Heidi Fang, reminding you now to hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And also, thanks to our sponsor, Station Casinos. Download the mobile app today, STN Sports, and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. And today I was joined by Mark Ross from the NFL Network, as well as Dave Ziegler, who spoke today at the Raiders headquarters. The general manager spoke all about what their plans are and what they think will happen with the Raiders going into the NFL draft and also some of the recent acquisitions and moves. So let's start off first with Dave Ziegler. First and foremost, there was a bit of a transition of coming here and just on how we're going to look at players here versus the lens and the scouting philosophy that we have now. And so there's an adjustment in that because part of that adjustment is teaching the philosophy, right? So you're not usually getting into this time of year and there's um, when, you're, when you've been at a place for a long time, there's not that educational teaching component that needs to take place. Now, we still have to do a lot more of that um, throughout post-draft. You only have so much time. You know, you can dedicate to teaching and everything. So there was, a, there was an element of, of our scouts being assimilated into our scouting philosophy. In terms of, um, I would say in terms of like the focus and those types of things, um, we ended up just really taking a, like you always do, but we took just a wide, uh, I would say a wide lens view of, of the draft board. Forget, you know, the hierarchy of needs and this might be higher here than there. We just said, let's go through the whole thing because there's going to be a heavy learning component of talking the same language, how we look at different positions and things like that. So to answer your question more specifically, probably a broader focus just because we were learning a lot of things rather than saying, hey, we know that we want to go like these three areas are our top three priorities. Let's dig into there first. And I think, you know, when you've been at a place for a long time and your roster is a little um, and you have like that feel for your roster and you have the feel for your scouts, you might have a focused approach. But this was part of like a bigger picture, I'd say, professional development aspect to this approach this year than it's maybe different than what it would have been in New England. Devontae, in terms of assimilating himself, in the building, how's that gone? Obviously, no first or second round, but I think you would take the the choice to have him obviously make him deal. Can you just talk about what you see from him in a short amount of time? Devontae is a worker, and he comes in with a purpose every day to get better. And so, you know, he's just a, a dialed-in person. That's like you know, you walk in right, and, and um, for him, this is. This is something that he loves to do, but this is a business for him, and it's a and it's a job that he takes very seriously. And he comes in with that approach. I mean, this guy comes in with an approach to win the day and to get better individually. And it's a it's approach it's an approach that um, I think is really good for our young players to see. Um, this guy's highly accomplished. Um, he's been very productive in his career. There's a reason for all those things, and you kind of see that in his approach day to day. When you don't pick until the third round, do you look to fill a need with that pick, or are you a believer in best athlete available on your board? 
Yeah, well, I wouldn't necessarily say best athlete available, but I would say the, the best player available. And again, that best player available, um, going back to the traits that I talked about, it's going to start there. Um, but to answer your question, we want the best available players, you know, regardless of position. Um, that's how we want to continue to build the team. I think if you're drafting good football players, you're making good choices. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, there's a lot of, you know, uh, I know a lot of people have talked about it. When you kind of overextend just to draft a need, um, you can often pass over good football players that can help your team. And I think that can be, uh, you know, a, a slippery slope if, you, if that's kind of the way you approach it. When you hear that, is, is there some competitive spirit from you going into the draft, wanting <clears throat> the guy to, to, to turn around kind of the reputation of what the Raiders have done in the draft? Yeah, I mean, I think um, the competitive spirit part is, right, you're judged um, on the personnel side by uh, the players that you draft and how, way they, how well they produce and the types of players that they turn into for the organization. And so there's a competitive aspect of wanting to draft players. You want every single draft pick and every single player that you sign, you want that player to produce and overproduce um, in an ideal situation. And so there's a competitive aspect of that. Yeah, we want to have a great draft. We want to be um, sure you want to be known as a team that um, drafts well and that develops, you know, develops talent and all those types of things. Um, whatever round that is, um, we want to make sure that we're able to do that. Dave, uh, when we were in Florida, we had talked about um, sometimes the difficulty in assessing college offensive linemen and then maybe transitioning them to the NFL based on you know styles of play and things like that. But where you guys are in the draft, do you feel like there's depth at that position to be able to bring in guys that can contribute? <clears throat> right away or challenge for starting jobs right away? Um, well, we're working through that process now. I think, um, like you said, the offensive line is a developmental position. And so just to say that there's, I think it's un, it's hard to say that there's guys that are going to be, you know, there's that there's this level of depth in the draft that these players are going to come in and start for you and contribute right away in the, in the middle rounds of the draft. I think, um, you know, there's there's a lot of transitions that take place in general. If you look at just a guy that's coming from college football to pro football, the amount of life transitions that take place, the amount of professional transitions that take place um, are, are extraordinary. And the offensive line, as we talked about at the owners meeting, um, the offensive line, there's even um, more transitions in some of the other positions. So I think we're excited about some of the players that are, you know, that, that, are, that are in the draft, that, that are at the offensive line, that, um, you know, may not be you know, first and second round guys. And so we'll, we recognize that. Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, there's players that we like, but we'll see how it goes. How much can you do um, on that if you don't go in the draft or guys you can't start right away that you could foresee after the draft and other ways kind of adding to the line? Is that kind of, I'm sure that's crossed your mind. And in terms of, say, I'm sorry, say that one more time. Uh, making moves after the draft in terms of the offensive line. Well, um, the first part about, I'd say, after the draft will be, you know, post-draft free agency, right. right? And so we'll, you know, we'll, um, we dedicate a lot of time to that. You dedicate a lot of time to, um, as much time to that as you do to the, the guys that are draftable. And um, and you could, and teams have proven you can find guys there that can contribute and that can develop into starting level players or, or you know, key backups for you. So, you know, we'll work that angle and, 
um, dig through those positions. And uh, as I've mentioned before, there's still a lot of other opportunity, whether it's guys that are still out there in free agency. Uh, as we continue to work through the spring, whether it ends up guys that become available in the preseason process, guys that become available for, through trades, you know, whatever it is, we'll, we'll, we'll always look at all those different avenues to add players. And I think the offensive line, because it is speaking specifically to that, because it is a developmental position and there are a lot of these transitions that I talked about, um, I think, you know, it's important to continue to mine those areas um, and, and acquire players at, at, at that position that you can work with and develop and see how it shakes out. You talked about uh, Champ Kelly at your introduction and, and talked highly about him. How much has that helped to be able to lean on him as well in this uh, situation leading up to the draft? Yeah, um, Champ's been um, exceptional for us um, up to this point. Um, he'll continue to be. Uh, he's taken on, a, um, a, I'd say, a lot of different hats through this process. Obviously, his title's assistant GM. Um, he's worked heavily on the college side here um, since he's been involved. Um, since we since we brought him on board, and has kind of I would say um, been a leader in that regard too. Um, yeah, I could kind of go on and on on all the different areas that he's um, helped organize and, and he's helped kind of um, facilitate. Um, but he's been he's been extremely valuable. He's someone that I can rely on. That again, I say I'd say we've been trained the same way, so we see a lot of processes um, how we want to how we want to run the college process. Similar, we see players in a similar light. So. Um, He's been extremely valuable for us and has just been someone that um, you know I've been able to lean on that takes a lot of uh, pressure off of me um, of having to feel like you have to have your hands in everything, right, and control, um, kind of control each and every process. I can lean on him to control those things and to make sure they're executed in, in the way that we believe they should be. That was Raiders GM Dave Ziegler, who spoke at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center on Wednesday. And coming up after this break, I'm going to be joined by Mark Ross from the NFL Network. He's an analyst who will be breaking down all things draft-related. So stay tuned to the Takeaways edition of the Vegas Nation podcast. Locals know the STN Sports app is the most trusted sports betting app in Nevada. They have convenient sign-up locations across Las Vegas. So download the STN Sports app today. We're coming at you right now with an NFL network analyst, Mark Ross. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Ross. He spent over a couple decades in front offices here in the NFL working uh, as an executive and now with the NFL network as an analyst. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Sure thing. My pleasure. I'm really excited to talk to you because I've been reading a lot of your work on NFL.com, seeing what you do with looking at some of the picks that could be for other teams. Of course, we talk Raiders. So Raiders right now looking at a number 86 third round pick. Do you think that the Raiders remain there at 86 from what you've seen right now? Yeah, obviously in the draft, everybody always talks about moving up and moving down as if it's something revolutionary. But when every team says the same exact thing in every draft, it's just the, the nature of the business. That's what you do when you start out. You call other teams and say, hey, we're interested in moving up at the right price. And you kind of laugh among the personnel of the other teams. It's just the song and dance you have to do. But then there's legitimacy to, OK, if you're really targeting, targeting a player, 
or trying to move down and accumulate more picks. So with the Raiders sitting there at 86, like they don't have a whole ton of assets to, to go move around the board, just four picks, I believe. So there's not a whole lot they can do. But for, for them, I would be encouraged in that, well, if you're, some of your best players are guys you found in the fourth and fifth round, the Max Crosby's of the world and Hunter Renfro's, obviously a different regime now. But that would be the encouraging thing is that, well, our first round picks in the last couple of years uh, haven't done that well, but we've struck gold down there later on in the draft. So I, I would be encouraged by that. So, you know, we've done it before. and Let's do it again. Let's look at the draft in that sort of way that we're going to find some impact players, even though we don't have a first or second round pick. Exactly. And you do a lot of those mock drafts and I've seen you put out different wide receiver names that uh, uh, could be great in the first round. But as you look to the third round, a name, whenever I've done a mock draft, I've tried some of my own that keeps popping up there from Western Michigan is Sky Moore. What do you think about him and the potential that he might have to be there at 86? Well, I think starting out the draft process, Sky Moore was underrated and actually did one of our shows a month ago or so on the network about who's your most underrated player in the draft. And that was, I had Sky Moore as my, and this was maybe a month and a half, two months ago. And I, and since then I've just seen him take off just as far as where I'm seeing his name now, where when I first heard about him or watched him, I was like, Oh, let me just watch this guy from Western Michigan. And then I talked about him like, this guy is a legitimate player with starter potential and, uh, I'm even seeing him being mocked in the first round now. And that was because people actually doubled down. not saying I was the reason, but I think <laughs> people actually just started watching the tape and like, wow, this guy, he's an unbelievable route runner. He catches everything. He's got a great feel for the game, almost Hunter Renfro-esque, you know, different sort of body types and style and, and all that. But just, just how Hunter is just an unbelievable player. That's the same way Sky Moore is. Then he went to the combine. There were some questions people had about how fast he was and, he went to the combine and just really just set himself apart too, just as far as the numbers. So at 86, I think he'll be long gone by that. Two months ago, if you'd asked me during the season, like, yeah, this is an underrated guy. He could get there. But now I think Sky will be long gone. A lot of people talk about the difference between finding a positional need for the team versus taking the best available player for the team. But yet I see the Raiders right now speaking with a lot of cornerbacks and bringing in a lot of cornerbacks for visits. Is that telling you think of the direction that they may be looking at as we head into the draft? Yeah, you always want to dig deep on the positions of need. And during the scouting, my, my time in scouting, I, that was probably the question I got asked the most is, do you draft for need or do you draft, draft for the best player available? And look, every team, when we have draft meetings, talks about what they need. There is no, so, no such thing as a pure, just set your draft board and you just take the player who you have graded the best. You always factor in what you need. Even though on draft nights, people say, this was the best player on our board. Well, you kind of manage and massage your board to make sure that those positions that you feel you need, if we're talking about corner for the Raiders, that they're in a good position for you to take them at the right spot. What you don't want to do and what the problem where the problem comes is when you overvalue the talent of a player because you think you need that position, meaning if the guy's a legitimate third rounder, but you think you need a corner and you're pushing him up in the first round, that's where you make mistakes. But if you have players at sort of an equal value, let's say a corner and a receiver and a DT, and you really need that corner, you feel like your team needs that corner, then that's when you kind of put that player over the other positions that of the same value. You don't want to jump better players because you think you have a position. So 
then for the Raiders with bringing guys in, yes, you always want to do your due diligence on learning as much as possible. But oftentimes there's a smoke screen as well where you, we would bring certain players in or do extra work on players that we really weren't that interested in, but wanted to make sure hey, one of our guys that we really like, people think we're going this direction. So it works both ways. But for the most part, I think what the Raiders are doing, they're, they're diligent that they'll probably go that route at some point. It's interesting when you do look at the Raiders roster and think about the McDaniels type of offensive scheme that they do so much with tight ends and you have an asset like Darren Waller there with the team. You mentioned uh, Sky Moore being Hunter Renfro-esque and what they've done with slot receivers in the past. I mean, I bet you yeah, I can't uh, that Josh McDaniels can't wait to be able to work with a guy like Hunter Renfro. But uh, um, when you go back to like your playing days, even I, I think a lot of that kind of mirrors what you see in that in those positions. I wanted to get your take right now on what you think offensively from this year's draft could really help benefit the Raiders and their roster. Well, you got, as you mentioned, while you went to Renfro, you, you didn't mention uh, who's that guy that y'all just got from green Bay. Oh, who, oh, one of the best route runners in the NFL. I think his name is yeah, Devontae. I think he might, he might help <laughs> a little bit too. So <laughs> I think with the Raiders offense, now you just resigned Carr. you got your pieces, you got Josh Jacobs. So, Obviously, more O-line, always taking O-line, especially where you're going in there in the mid-rounds always helps because you have those playmakers already and those superstars already at certain positions. So that that depth at the O-line or finding a starter in there and those, those, uh, those picks as well would help. Uh, but, you know, just looking at that offense and the other teams trying to game plan and scheme that you have playmakers, but just they're so different as well. Like, how do you match up with Darren Waller? How do you match up with Devontae Adams? Hunter, what he does is so different than the other guys. So you guys have playmakers, but a lot of versatility within that as well, which will make it hard, very, very, very hard to defend. And then you will have the NFL Network here in Las Vegas. Shows happening April 28th through the 30th. The coverage will be all over the place. I wanted to just get your feeling about what is going to be like in Las Vegas to see the NFL draft here. Well, Vegas, you don't need much to make it an event, right? So <laughs> now we've got the biggest event of the year. And, and the NFL and work with the network is just, we just know how to produce and get eyes on everything. And even something mundane as, you know, the, the trade deadline where not a lot of action happens, but we make it an event. So now the NFL draft and each year is just becoming bigger and bigger of an event. I'm seeing now that at the Bellagio, they're going to have boats or something taking the guys to the stage. And I, I just can't imagine how this pack is going to be in other cities that really have done a tremendous job already down in Nashville and with the draft and now Vegas, everything is over the top in Vegas. You guys know how to put on a show like no other. And now you're matching it up with the NFL, who, who is the biggest money maker in the sports biz. So it's going to be uh, extremely exciting and just all eyes on the NFL that weekend. And I think it'll be pretty spectacular. I am a little bit bummed they took away the boats. I think they thought maybe it was like a <laughs> concern injury risk for some of the yeah. guys. Guys driving the Bellagio Pond, that would not be a good look. <laughs> yeah. So uh, just uh, because you're, you're 
you're not here in Vegas, but there's, you know, the national perspective right now of what's going on with the Raiders. And I wanted to get that take from you since that's what you, you do. <laughs> I wanted just to get your outlook right now on what this team looks like as it's shaping up for 2022. I mean, we talked about Derek Carr's contract and Devonte Adams, but when you look at this and think about Josh McDaniels getting this uh, revitalization to his coaching career, what, what does it look like from the outside looking in? Well, I thought last year with the, with everything that the Raiders went through, and it wasn't just regular football things you, you went through, as you know. I mean, this was historical uh, distractions from the Gruden and Arnett and, 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 uh, and Ruggs. I mean, all three of those things in a vacuum by itself were just season-wrecking distractions. And you got the, three of them back to back to back. And to be able to play as well as the Raiders did and to make the playoffs and have to be a play away from winning a playoff game under all those circumstances, I mean, that that was one of the better coaching, organizational, rallying uh, cries that I've seen in a while. So, okay, now you've got all that those pieces back and that talent back and that mindset and mentality back that we can overcome anything. Now you put it with a lot of stability with McDaniels and the new uh, – personnel department and general manager. Okay, and now we add Devontae Adams and now we add Chandler Jones to go with Max Crosby. I mean, this is exciting. It should be exciting times for the Raider Nation just because, all right, under tremendous circumstances of distractions, we, we overperformed. Now let's take that whole mindset mentality. Plus, we got some of the biggest playmakers in the game on the roster to add to a playoff team. And we have stability, I, I, I think, um, I did a call earlier with someone that had said that they uh, they had the Raiders win in the AFC West. And legitimately, I think any of those teams in the AFC West can win it. And unfortunately, somebody's going to be fourth too. But you could have a, all four teams making the playoffs. And all four of those teams, in my view, have a legitimate shot to get to the Super Bowl. Is the AFC West the most stacked division in the NFL right now? Oh, it's not even it's not even comparable. I mean, it's historic. I talked about historical stuff late, earlier about what, what you got, what the Raiders went through last year. I mean, I, I'd have to kind of take it back to the glory days of the NFC East, you know, back in the day when 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 all four of those teams were rolling and winning Super Bowls year after year. And, you know, this is kind of similar to that. Obviously, it has to be performed on the field and these teams will have to sustain the success. But just right now on paper, looking at the, just the quarterbacks and the star power and the pass rushers, it, it's just amazing. It's going to be fun, fun to watch. Well, I certainly appreciate the time today. Again, you can find him at Mark Ross on Twitter. Keep up with all the great analyst work that you were doing uh, with NFL Network everywhere. Tell everybody like what what's next for you? What's coming up? Yeah, just this draft coverage, just nonstop draft coverage, and it, it'll just be a lot of fun, a lot, a lot more speculation, a lot more plotting and planning who should take who and, and making all the decisions for all the teams. So it's a lot of fun just to tell everybody what they should do, and if they don't, they should have done this. But, yeah, just, just nonstop until the draft, and obviously after that it'll be a little lull for, for the NFL. But one thing we know how to do, we'll create some more content out of something to, to keep the eyes on the NFL. Well, I'm definitely paying attention with two Super Bowl rings under your tenure. I want to make sure that everybody listens, checks that out. NFL Network coverage at the draft in Las Vegas, April 28th through the 30th. Mark Ross, thank you so much for the time. My pleasure. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode of Takeaways on the Vegas Nation podcast. Don't forget, hit subscribe wherever you are listening. Also, you can keep up with all that we're doing on VegasNation.com ahead of the NFL draft to find out all that you need. Our draft show takes place 
April 25th. We'll have it all locked down from Virgin Hotels for you and get you all of our preview on everything to expect coming up on the NFL draft for the 2022 NFL draft here in Las Vegas. Also, thanks to my guests, Mark Ross and Dave Ziegler for stopping by with us here today. Don't forget, we are brought to you by Station Casinos, STN Sports. Download the mobile app today and get a bonus of up to $100 when you sign up. That'll do it for me here today. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening.